Well, um, we're going to do things a little differently today. Anybody like different? I think this church loves different. I think this church loves change. But this week, um, Michael Brown felt a sensing in the Lord that we were to do a day of remembrance. It's written right here, remembrance of what the Lord has done. And so we are going to preach the word of God through testimony today. Anybody into some testimonies? And so we're going to have several, several testimonies that we're going to share. And here's what I want to encourage you is allow the testimony that you hear today be your testimony. Take it for yourself as ownership because there's going to be several things that are shared that you're going to go, oh my gosh, I need that so much. And what God has done for one, he will do. What God has done for one, he will do for for all. Amen. And so I want to encourage you as we go through today and share testimonies. Mike's going to share a few scriptures here in a moment. I just want to share one testimony as we get going because we've just taken up the offering. But God has set the finances free in this church. I want to remind us in remembrance of what God has done at New Covenant just as a church over the last year and a half. The testimony of God is we have no debt. And there's more than enough in the house of God. We have a brand new roof that was almost $200,000 that is paid for. That, that, that actually... The insurance company had no clue how it got damaged, and they couldn't figure it out, but they still paid for our roof. And I bless Farm Bureau in the name of Jesus for their faithfulness to honor the claim for the house of God. They honored the Lord, not us. That roof would have been devastating financially on this church if we would have had to do that we'd have been taking up special offerings or going into debt because we don't have $200,000 in the bank, okay? So I just want to testify and remember how good God has been in our finances as a church corporately, but how faithful he has been in your finances and how he has brought increase to the families of God here in this house. Can I have amen? God has increased many, many, many finances. And if you're, in, in, if you're in a place where your finances are not increasing, I say it's coming in Jesus' name because we're assaulting poverty and we're declaring the blessing of the Lord, not for ourselves, but for the glory of God. Can I have an amen on that? And so if you're not there, claim that testimony as your own and say, God, I don't know what you're doing in others' finances, but I'm going to trust you with mine, and I'm going to give, and it shall be given to me, pressed down, shaken together, and pouring over shall be poured into my lap. By the way, that's scripture. Amen. So I just want to remember what the Lord has done, and he's been faithful. Can I have an amen? Amen. Everybody welcome Michael Brown to the floor. Hello, hello, hello. Are you excited? I'm excited. I was driving down the road. I'll give you a little background, and then we're going to jump right into this. Um, so those of you who we've asked, get ready, because we're going to try to 
truck on through these and allow the Holy Spirit to do what he wants to do. I was driving down the road the other day, and in my some of my quiet time with the Lord is in the truck, and I rather enjoy it. Some of the sweetest times I get to have are in the truck driving down the road with Jesus. And sometimes it just gets so overwhelmed. You just have to pull over. Because you can't drive. <laughs> or if you do, you're going down 70 at 45 mile an hour. <laughs> and, and the semis are passing by honking. And you're like, all right, I'll get off on the exit. Um, but what happened was the Lord, as he, as he spoke to me, said we needed a day of remembrance. And there's several places in Scripture that you can go to. And we're going to start with that. And he started by reminding me of where I was and where I'm at now and then where I need to go. But without hope, we will not get where we need to go. Without God, without Jesus, without the Holy Spirit, which brings us hope, we will not get to where we need to go because we'll die in the process and we'll think, I just can't make it. There's many people in here who have. And as Eric was sharing, even the word says that the testimony of Jesus is a word of prophecy. It's the spirit of prophecy. So these testimonies are of Jesus. So that means just like he said, there's the biblical foundation. If it gets said and you need that, just reach out and grab it. All right. At evangelism class, that happened, right, Misty? We did a little exercise. We passed out notes, and someone picked it up, and one of them was for a raise. And Misty says, I'll take that. And she gets home an hour or so later. Did you get a message? What was the message? It's still a raise. It's still a raise. And that's where we have to get to as well. Every little bit all right, is better than where we were. And we give him praise and we thank him for that. So where's the biblical principle for that? Let's go to Malachi. Uh, I won't. Uh, come on here, phone. All right, Malachi, I believe it's 3, 16 through 18. Okay, and here's what it says. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another. And the Lord gave attention and heard it in a book of remembrance was written before him and those who fear the Lord and who esteem his name. They will be mine, says the Lord of hosts, on the day that I prepare my own possession and I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. So you will again distinguish between the righteous and the wicked, between the ones who serve God and the ones who do not serve him. I'd encourage you to get in even in Esther, Esther chapter 6 talks about the king, and he couldn't sleep. So what did he do? He asked for the book of remembrance. And in the book of remembrance is what kings would go to, and they would look through and remember the good things that had got done to people, and then there was reward given as well. Now, this is not about receiving reward today, but this is about writing these things down. So when we get to that point where we think, I don't know if I can make it, you bring the book out and you read and remember what God has done 
what he is doing and the hope that you can take to go where God is going to take you. Please turn to Psalms 78. I would like to thank Dave Noel for this scripture because when he said it and I was talking to him and he repeated it, it latched a hold of my heart. Psalm 78, I think it's uh, 1 through 8. Oh, my people, listen to my teaching. Open your ears to what I am saying, for I will speak to you in a parable. I will teach you hidden lessons from your past, stories we have heard and know, Stories our ancestors handed down to us. We will not hide these truths from our children. But we'll tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord. We will tell of his power and the mighty miracles he did. For he issued his decree to Jacob. He gave his new law to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to our children. So the next generation might know them, even the children that are not born yet. That they in turn might teach their children. So each generation can set its hope anew on God, remembering His glorious miracles. And obeying his commands. Then they will not be like their ancestors. Stubborn, rebellious, and unfaithful. Refusing to give their hearts to God. Even in the power of the testimony which brings hope. Can bring people to Jesus. So. I'm going to say a prayer, and we'll start going through our list. Are you ready to hear some stuff? Can you feel the atmosphere and the love that is already here and what God wants to continue to do? All right, so Bob and Jenny Hughes. Oh, Jenny, you're coming by yourself. Well, come on. Give her a hand, yes. Angie Shevzak, you're next. Fun desk. Actually, I have two testimonies. The one, first one's real short. It was when Chris Bohr was here. And he told people to raise their hands out in the congregation and go out and pray for him if, you know, if you needed prayer. And I actually received the healing that day. So I just give God the glory for that. And then my testimony, Bob and I had the opportunity to go to the RTF in North Carolina. And um, just how God provided the way for that. Um, it's just amazing. I mean, for years, for years, I have had a hurt just from the past without going into too much. And it's like 
God, how am I going to get healed from this? I mean, you know, I'd put it aside, kind of like I was a stuffer. That's the word. <laughs> I was a stuffer. You know, you put it down and you think, okay, it's gone. It's forgot about. But before you know it, it's there again. And I just felt like God took us to this mountain. And I, I keep saying it was like a mountaintop experience because he did. He took us to the top of this mountain in North Carolina. And you go in and, and you talk to these, these people take you. You've got two ministers. But it's nothing they do, and it's nothing I did. The only thing I did was yield to God. That was my part. But the Holy Spirit was there, and he met with you. And, and they reveal all this stuff from the past. You know, we talk about ancestral curses and stuff. And you just don't realize how much. The older you get, the more garbage you got, believe me. So get it taken care of while you're young. <laughs> But, you know, he met me there, and you could just begin to connect the dots, like, oh, I see, I see, I see. And the more you just ask God to forgive you and take it away, the more freedom. It was just, I just felt like I could go out on that mountain and just start to scream, I'm free. So, um, yeah, God did a great work. Uh, didn't you, wasn't there something else that happened, though? Uh, you're going to not tell them about that? That's Bob's part. Okay, we'll let Bob do it. <laughs> okay, I, too, have went through... Um, RTF the first time, the second time. I haven't had the chance to go to North Carolina, but I'll do that next year. And um, I um, was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis last year. I think it was in October. And um, that's when I started taking a downward spiral um, as far as uh, my thoughts and things of that nature um, because I was so sick and um, so uh, I'd been receiving um, RTF with Tom and Michelle for a while and um, it's just amazing what Jesus has brought to this church to give us freedom because it has helped me tremendously. And the second time I went through uh, RTF just a few weeks ago, RTF? RTF is Restoring the Foundations. And yeah, it's a ministry of deliverance and um, it's really good. That's all I'm gonna say. You just don't even know. <laughs> so, um, I got sick, I think it was, what, two weeks ago, Pat? When I went to the hospital, the ER, a couple weeks. Um, with uh, right lower quadrant pain that was worse than labor. <laughs> I was like, I would rather give birth than deal with this, because it was awful. So I went to the ER, and they couldn't figure out what was wrong, so they called my doctor in Indianapolis, and um, 
So I had to go in the next Tuesday for a colonoscopy. So um, my lovely daughter Courtney takes me there <laughs> and um, uh, I'm thinking, oh man, not this again. I'm gonna have to deal with this for the rest of my life. I'm, I'm just bummed. I, you know, I thought I was over this. So um, I went in, had that done and um, I got some stuff in the mail and oh yeah okay yeah Wednesday when I went to the when I went to the ER I spent eight hours in there and they were giving me drugs and all that good stuff um, and so <laughs> all that good stuff <laughs> try to get my pain level down because it was pretty bad I can handle some pain but that's awful um, so the next day was um, Thursday night was RTF and and not once did I ever think oh, I'm not going I'm done I'm not going I thought I have got to get out of this hospital because I've got stuff to do I have got to get some freedom this is just not working for me I don't have time so <laughs> The next day, the ne uh, that night, I was pretty pretty tired from from the medication and stuff like that. But I still went, and um, I uh, went through it Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and um, in the RTF book, I had read that bitterness causes colitis. So that just stood out to me, and I'm like. But I thought I already dealt with that. Yeah, well, there was some more <laughs> that happened. So I had to get some freedom from some bitterness. And so I, I, uh, um, so I worked on the bitterness for, for that weekend and, um, went to go get the colonoscopy on Tuesday. Um, then I received the letters in the mail and I wanna share these with you because this is medical proof. <laughs> um, I'm telling you, your mind is, your mind makes your body do weird things it makes you sick. So you have to get healthy in your mind. So I was getting healthy in my mind. So um, I just wanna read this to you from the gastro doctor. Um, I'm writing regarding your recent colonoscopy results. I am delighted to report that the biopsies from your colon were normal and revealed no ulcerative colitis or inflammation. And then my, my nurse practitioner, I love her. <laughs> um, she sent this to me and it's so funny because me and my daughter said this when we were, when the doctors came in, we were like, yay God, because the, the doctor was like, I'm like, I don't have ulcerative colitis. And she's like, it's gone, I don't, I don't know. 
<laughs> and so me and Courtney were like, yay, God. And then I get this from my nurse practitioner, yay, God. I just want to encourage everybody to get some freedom right here so you can feel better. Doesn't that, isn't that amazing? Medical, scientific proof that there is a God. <laughs> Sam? And then you too. Praise the Lord. God's good. Well, about three weeks ago, Boston, my, I'm going to get like Mike, <laughs> Boston, my grandson, <laughs> uh, had the flu, and Laura took him to the doctor, a couple, couple different doctors that week, found out that he had, he had the flu, but then he had strep, and they gave him some antibiotics orally, and the next week he wasn't feeling any better and uh, they admitted him to the hospital and uh, the strep had moved somehow behind his eye and he couldn't open his eyes it was all pussy and he just he couldn't even open his eye and uh, they sent him to Peyton Manning Hospital and he was in there for four days uh, last Sunday went up for prayer at the altar team. And Deb and Vi and Lincoln prayed for Boston. I get a call an hour later, and they were home. He was released, and I was eating dinner with him. I was eating lunch with him. And when we went out and fed the ducks. So God healed him and released him. Praise God, man. That's awesome. All right. Now, this one's going to be really interesting. Not that they all aren't are, but I don't even know this girl. So, hi. Nice to meet you. <laughs> all right. I'll let Michelle introduce her, but I want to say personally, which is Kristen. I'm Mike. Nice to meet you. Let them have it. Well, um, I, g I met Kristen through Andrea Payne. It's a I don't know if she's going to share it. She's going <laughs> to. Um, and so Kristen's been meeting with me, and I've gotten to watch her grow. And so she has a testimony about all that. Okay, yeah, so can you hear me? Michelle is up here because I'm a ball of nerves right now. There's a lot of people in this room, and I don't know hardly any of you. <laughs> um, okay, so I'm going to give a little bit of background because you don't know me. My name is Kristen. Um, I was saved 16 years ago, but I didn't know Jesus until about two months ago when I met Michelle here. And it's actually, it's kind of funny how, how we even met because I, um, I gave up on church and God a long time ago. I mean, I got saved, but the church that I was going to didn't teach you about Jesus' love. They taught you about fear of Jesus. Um, you fear God. You either you do and you don't black and white, um, I never felt like I was good enough. I never felt like I had what it took to be a good Christian, so I just gave up. 
for a long time. And a friend of mine um, invited me to go to a Bible study. Don't know why I even went, but I went and we started reading this book called Captivating. I don't know if any of you women have read it, but I highly recommend it. And the whole book is about intimacy with Jesus. And I didn't even know intimacy with Jesus was a thing. Um, it changed my life. It changed everything. How All I knew was that what I was reading in this book is what I was missing in my life and what I wanted. And I started craving it more and more every day. So then one day when we were at Bible study, the girls started talking about Michelle and how they had gotten so much deliverance from all this baggage that they had been carrying around for years. And I was like, hold the phone. Who is this woman? I need to meet her because I have a huge amount of baggage that I'm carrying around with me. So they gave me her number and, and we met and it was different. It was definitely different. I didn't know. <laughs> I don't know what I was expecting, but um, it was an eye opener. So after just a couple sessions, I realized that this is where I'm supposed to be. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. And I have gotten so much deliverance I feel like a new person. I have gotten rid of all of this guilt, this shame, this fear, this everything that even though I was saved, I was still carrying it with me and it's gone. Thank you. So what I've learned is that Jesus speaks to me through visions. And I'd like to share a couple of visions that I've had. Um, the first one was I was praying one night and I said, God, is there anyone that I need to pray about that I maybe am forgetting or, you know, just anybody? So he gives me this name of this woman that I don't even know. And I said, God, how can I pray for a woman I don't know? I don't know what her situation is. I don't know anything about her. And he said, it doesn't matter. Just pray for her. So I did. So then I got to thinking, I wonder who she is. If I, maybe I know her on Facebook. So I started Facebook, Facebook stalking her. And I'm like, I, I do know this girl, kind of. I've met her before. And so I'm like, okay, well, that's kind of weird. So that I forgot about it, went to work the next day, had a hair appointment after work, walk into the hair salon, and as soon as I walk through the door, there is that woman. <laughs> Not kidding. She was standing right there. I almost hit the floor. <laughs> I didn't know what to do. I'm like, do I tell her what happened? Do I not tell her what happened? And I didn't say anything. I was just in shock, I guess. So I talked to Michelle about it. She said, oh, yeah, you've got to tell her. You've got to tell her. So I sent her a, a Facebook message and told her that I was praying for her. I didn't know her situation, but I was praying for her. And she still hasn't responded back, but I'm praying that she does respond back. <laughs> um, another one was, it's not as big a deal, but um, a coworker, this just happened last week, um, she's been having some issues with her family. And God woke me up at 1.45 in the morning and, and said, pray for this woman. So I did. So the very next day, I said, I have a message for you from God. And she was like, oh, okay. And, and I said, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. It was her husband, her daughter, and her son. And then last week, Michelle and I were talking at one of our sessions, and have I gone past the six minutes? Have I, am I okay on time? Okay. <laughs> so um, I had a vision of, of a bird, 
And I'm like, I don't know what this bird is. It's just a bird. That's all I see is it's this huge bird in, in my face. And she said, well, that's, that's the Holy Spirit. And I said, okay. And so she's like, we had been talking about speaking in tongues for a while, but it's very new to me, kind of scary to me. Um, so finally, I just said, okay, let's, let's do this. So last week, I was able to speak in tongues for the first time ever. <laughs> And it's so funny that yesterday, and I'll end with this, yesterday um, I was praying, my family was gone, and so I had a little bit of one-on-one -on -one time with God, and, and um, I said, can you show me a glimpse of my future in ministry or where I'm headed, because I feel like I've grown so much in just the last couple of months, and I know that you have a big plan for me, and I'm just so anxious to find out what it is, so can you just give me a glimpse of, of where I'm headed? And he showed me standing right here in front of this church with a piece of paper in my hand. And I'm like, okay, well, eventually I'm going to give a testimony. This is something that's, you know, in the future. Not <laughs> a couple hours later, Michelle calls me and says, hey, do you mind getting up in front of the church tomorrow and give a testimony? <laughs> Thank you. I just want to encourage you, like, I can't tell you how much joy it has brought to me to watch Kristen grow and to be able to pour into her life and see her grab a hold of it and just she can't get enough of it and and she has a gift of prophecy in her I mean it's obvious with the visions and and God's working that out and it's just fun to so I just want to encourage you find somebody to pour into it is not scary you just got to be a little bit further than they are that's it you don't have to be like this super scholar person and you just help them and learn and go and help them to keep increasing and, and it's fun Kristen Shelley you're next then Andrea I, I love seeing again just meeting her but that's that's not just getting saved that is conversion and transformation and that can be from that's for anybody Um, well, um, Chris and I just wanted to kind of update everyone on what's going on, what's going on with Truman. And I know that a lot of you have followed along because I've been real open about it on Facebook and things like that, but I realize that some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. So I'll just start from the beginning. And um, Truman is our three-year-old son. And when he was two, this is, it's almost a year ago, he... Um, well, actually, a year ago. He, never mind. Okay. About a year ago, we figured out that he, and I don't know why we didn't know this or why we didn't realize it. We realized that he was um, severely delayed. And um, our eyes just weren't open to it. I think I was kind of in denial, but he was a very cranky kid, and he would always cry. And um, I think I thought that the problem was that he couldn't talk and just that he was mad about that. And so I couldn't figure out why this kid cried from morning till night. And I brought in a first steps um, person to come and evaluate him. And anyway, long story short, um, we start doing research and I start realizing that he is, he was my little two-year-old that was um, showing early signs of autism. And um, there were things that he was not doing that he should have been doing, you know, pointing with his finger. He didn't point to things. And anyway, that's a, so after the devastating blow hit me and um, in between anxiety attacks, 
um, I would cry out to the Lord and, and just be like, okay, Lord, what is going on? What do you want me to do? Tell me what you want me to do. How are we going to, I've got to fix it. You know, I've got to figure this out. And so um, one of the things that the Lord led me to do was um, to, um, to take a holistic approach with him and um, do some things with his diet, make changes there, get some supplements going, things like that. We're made up of spirit, soul, and body. And so we've got to make changes in the body. We've got to make changes in the soul. We've got to make changes in the spirit. So Chris and I knew that. And so we start, I started with the body. Um, we also started doing some things um, in the spirit to start breaking things off in the spirit. We're like, well, how much of this is demonic? How much of it is generational? What are we going to do? We started doing things in the soul as well. And I realized that in my three-year-old, you can't do deliverance like, like mental. What, you know what I mean? So I used my soul. Okay, so what I started doing was I started getting rid of the lies that were in my mind, and I started grabbing a hold of prophecies that people had spoken over Truman. And this is, this is the importance of, of this right here. Prophecy and testimony is that you can grab a hold of those things in times of trouble. So, um, and we were in trouble. <laughs> and I remember um, Exie Brewington had a prophecy over Truman before he was born, and she called him Triple Threat Truman. He was going to have the anointing of three men. And I'm like, okay, my God said that my son is going to walk in greatness. And he's not going to have this thing hanging over him, this chaos in his mind that's going to keep him from doing what God's called him to do. And so I knew that that was happening. Um, Tina had a prophecy over him about him being a part of government. There was going to be a government. There's some kind of government anointing. And the Lord had given me the same thing before I even conceived him, which is why he ended up with the name of Truman. You know, he's, he's very governmental. There's something about who he is that God is going to use in a mighty and powerful way. So I hung on to those things, and I started making declarations. I started using my mouth to make declarations over him. No, God, you promised me this. And I started studying about God being a God of hope. You know, Romans, I think it's 15, 13. I always get them backwards. 13, 15, whatever. God is a God of hope who wants to give you hope and peace in believing. And so that's what I started doing. I was like, this situation is not hopeless. My son is not hopeless. While I am believing, while I am believing, I have hope and peace while I believe for him. And I was making these declarations, and I would make declarations every day of, you know, I would actually name all of my kids, walk in supernatural healing in spirit, soul, and body. I even prayed it over Koi and Sarah and Cree. And they're going to share their testimony in a minute. And so I was making those declarations. And then um, Tina had a prophecy over me one day. And she said, I just see you. And you're climbing up this mountain. And you've got this sword. And you're just whacking away at all the debris. And, and God just wants you to know, keep wailing that sword. And you will make it to the top of the mountain. You will make it. And I'm like, heck yeah, because the sword is the word of God. And that's what I'm doing. And that mountain, that mountain was this thing that, you know what I mean? Like what I was going through, I was like, yeah, that's right. I, I'm sorry. So I just kept, you know what I mean? I was using my sword. I was declaring the word. I was declaring the word of prophecy over my son. And so, okay, so then, whew, okay. So then come the testimony day. We had a testimony day at church. And Bree shared about her miracle of her baby moving from her um, fallopian tube into her uterus. And then Susan shared the testimony about um, the healing that happened in her shoulder. And both of those things, I was just like, yes. And, <laughs> and Susan was like, she said that Chad began to pray accelerated healing, accelerated healing in her. 
And because all this time I had been telling Chris, I knew God was going to heal my son. Listen to me. I knew it. I knew it with my whole heart because God does not break his promises. I knew it. But I didn't know what the journey was going to look like. And that was a little scary. And I was like, how do you believe for something way out here? But you're right here. And how do you maneuver that? Okay, hope and peace, hope and peace, you know. And it was like living in two different time zones, you know, because I knew I was living in God's promise and I was right here. And so I had told Chris, I was like, I just need some evidence of this thing that I'm hoping for. And then I went, oh, wait, that's faith. Because <laughs> evidence is faith. Yeah, you guys know what scripture I'm talking about. I can't pull it down right now. So Susan said, she's like, okay. So, you know, accelerated healing. I went, oh my gosh, that's what I need. Because I'm believing for this faith, or for this evidence of this thing that's way out here. I'm like, it doesn't have to be that far away. I can accelerate that journey. And so I did. I went to Chad. I'm like, accelerated healing in my son. Let's start praying that. Because I know it's going to happen. I just want it accelerated. The next day, Truman started. He watches these little videos that help to, um, help to stimulate word repeating. And so... Um, he picked up four words watching this video one time, four words that he had never said before. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so by the end of the week, he had picked up 25 words. 25 words. Amen. And if that's not cool, that Sunday is when Chris Gore came. And Chris Gore has the belief, uh, has, the, has that passion to heal kids with autism. It's the shalom peace of God, the spirit that breaks the chaos. And that's what was over Truman is chaos. It was chaos just all the time. So then Chris Gore prays over him, and the chaos is broken. Well, we left for RTF the day after. We went, Chris and I went to North Carolina, and Gage and Coy and Sarah stayed at our house to keep Truman. And so here we go. We just take off. We're gone for a week. We don't get to watch the healing unfold, which is fine. They got to do it. But, but it was a little sad, but I was like, nope, we need deliverance. We're going to keep going. And so, listen, you guys, I came home to a brand new kid. This child, and I know that everyone, everyone who knows it, who has followed this story, they know that Truman has made a major, a huge increase. The the chaos is gone. He acknowledges people. There's eye contact. He gets excited to play with his friends. You know, the, his vocabulary is increasing. He tries to say things. He, it is, like, amazing what has happened to this child, and it is a miracle. It is. He, there are still more improvements that need to be made, but I am not scared. I am not. I don't even know. There's just a little bit more of the journey that has to happen, so we covet your prayers as accelerated healing continues to unfold with him. But he is a brand-new kid. I just want to say to you, if any of these testimonies up here, you want that, you grab a hold of it. And if, just like I did, and, and you hang on to your prophetic words, you hang on to the promises of God, because he does not, he does not fail you, ever. Yeah, I've got 10 seconds to finish up. Uh, all I, I'm just going to share a couple real quick things. Um, and this just goes to back up what's happened and give glory to God. Um, I dropped, this just happened yesterday. 
I just, uh, we had to go to a performance for our daughters in Knightstown uh, as a dance recital. And so we took Truman over to Michelle and Jeff Hughes' house. And typically, before all this started to transpire, drop-offs were a chore. Um, he'd have a meltdown. It was just a, a burden to get away. And you're always thinking, gosh, I hope he's going to turn the corner and be okay. Usually he was, but it was still heart-wrenching to do. Um, but I walked up the stairs, and as soon as I got there, and I, I got him out of his chair, and he started pointing to their house saying, house, house. So I'm carrying him up the stairs, and I walk in, and he starts squirming. So I set him down, and he just takes off and runs through the kitchen and goes upstairs. That's it. All right, Michelle, see you later. I'm out of here. So, so I go back to pick him up, and... She tells me that Jeff didn't even know he was here. He's, a, he's just like one of the family. And, I, I mean, that's just the testimony of the goodness of God. And, and I went for bathroom break just a few minutes ago before we even got up here, and Pam Cooper's back there in the guppies' room taking care of him, and she's really bonded with Truman. And she, she pops her head out the door just as I'm walking back a few minutes ago and says, Oh, my gosh. Truman is a new kid. He has made such an, an incredible turnaround in this these past two months. It's just, I'm blown away. I'm like, absolutely. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. You guys still tracking? Isn't this good? We got two or three more. Who is next? Uh, Let me look at my list, Tom. Who do I got now? Andrea. Then Clayton and Letitia is next. I want to read this as she's coming. Again, Shelly even hit on the fact of we know it's out here, and we know we, we want it, and I don't have a problem believing it, but it's it's into the journey. So how does this tie in with the Book of Remembrance? This is what this is some history on the Book of Remembrance. Uh, it says as Malachi presented God's word to his people, they would have understood that a book of remember what a book of remembrance represented. The kings of Persia kept such books, records of those who had rendered service to the king, which they have rendered service to the king, and that those service servants might be rewarded. The book of remembrance is for the king. So when he looks and he says, oh, there's Shelley and Chris and, and Andrea. They're my servants. I haven't given them a reward in a while. I'm going to reward them. And that's where accelerated healing comes in. It even goes on to say, Scripture is clear that loyalty to God does not go unnoticed or unrewarded. Uh, he is a rewarder. Uh, what was it? The book of remembrance is simply a concept God used to encourage his faithful ones. And it even talks about how sometimes the reward is a little delayed. But it will, you will always, you will always... Always get your reward from the king. Always. Oh, that's on time. Okay, so I'm going to be a little vulnerable. I sent a really tiny um, testimony, but I'll be a little vulnerable about the real reason. Um, so with him saying that sometimes the reward is delayed. If you know me very well, you know I've been single for a little while. And um, <laughs> it's become easier. But um, it's, there's just a strong desire, and it just doesn't go away. And um, but so I got home from Brazil, 
And, um, you know, the Lord really thought for me and showed me, hey, there is this reward. I am really going to do this for you. And so I got home. I was on this high. I was so happy to be home. And then the reality of going from living with 40 people to living with one person, (laughs) myself, hit. And um, Sundays have always been really hard for me. You know, I'm here and I'm on this high with you guys and there's so much and then I go home, and, and the walls just close in, and my poor mother just gets phone calls, and I just lose my mind, you know, and so it was one of those days, and um, so I lost my mind with my mother, and um, <laughs> oh, she's so gracious, and she just listens, and um, I'm like, mom, I'm just going to try online dating. I'm just going to do it again, and I need you to pay for it. <laughs> I don't want to pay for it. I don't want to. I'll quit. I'll quit if I pay for it. So you pay for it. And she's, okay, baby, you don't stop crying. (laughs) You know? (laughs) And so I get online. I fill out my thing and and do all that. And um, real logical. You know, how else are you going to meet somebody? Just logical. It's all up here. And um, I'd done it before and hopped off, you know, several times. Um, So anyways, I do that. And I start to receive a couple messages. And um, both the people I heard from, when it seemed, came time to like talk about God or whatever, it says, I'll tell you later. Well, if you know me, my faith is not one of those I'll tell you later kind of faiths. You know, it's like right here. Um, but one of them was talking to me, and I was tempted to meet them. And in my seven years um, walking singly with the Lord, I have not experienced a lot of temptation. There's a, a big grace on me um, that I'm just real resolute. And so that was a big red flag to me. I'm like, whoa, like, I don't, why do we want to talk to this person? So I turn that off, and I start listening to Havila Cunnington, and she starts talking about the process and the promise. And I'm like, ugh, yep. And so I fall asleep because I'm so exhausted emotionally, and um, I just let it wash over me. I was like, you know, and I know the Lord had, you know, he's going to speak to me. So I just fell asleep. Well, in that, I had a dream. And in the dream, there's two houses, and there's my house, and there's an old house. And the old house is, like, falling down, you know, it's almost, you know, it's gone almost. But behind it are two zip lines, and on them are two good-looking guys, and they've got, like, long hair. They're, like, twins. They're really good-looking. And they're saying, like, come on, come with us. Come on, it's going to be fun. Come on. And then beside me is the Lord. And I look at them, and I look at the Lord, and he's, I know, he knows our hearts. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, okay, I look at the Lord, and he's, <laughs> I won't give you any more details on that. <laughs> so I look at the Lord, and he says, you know, you know, do you want to do that? Or there's something deep inside your house that we've been putting off. My house was almost finished. There was, like, two little things. But there was one root thing deep in there that um, that we needed to clean out. And so I look at them, and I look at the Lord, and on the ground is a safety belt broken. And I look at them, and I said, I'm sorry. I'm going to stay here with the Lord, and I'm going to, you know, get this thing. And I woke up, and I was like, well, that was about online dating. <laughs> But I wasn't sure, like, what. So I called my friend the next day in California, and she was like, they were on a line. They were on the zip line, you know. And the safety belt was broken. So it wasn't safe. It was not monogamous. Um, you know, it was based on looks. Just so many things. 
And so I called the people, and I'm like, hey, can I have my money back? <laughs> They're like, yeah. They put it right back in my account, all the money. So anyways, I'm like, okay, thank you for the clarification, not doing that. And um, I was like, oh, well, we got to go after this thing, you know. And so I started really intentionally being like, okay, what is it, God? So went after, with RTF, went after rejection, went after the orphan spirit, and, like, made progress significant. But I still knew. I was like, nah, there's something big in there. There's something big in there, and I don't know what it is, but it's got to get out of there, you know. And so um, I got braces a few, like, about a month ago, and so it made it hard to eat. And so I was like, well, let's just pray and fast. And so, <laughs> so I took some time and drank smoothies and was like, okay, let's go after this thing. Let's go after this thing. And on a Friday, Shelly was in the salon, and I heard her say out loud a sentence about shame, that if shame had a root in you, then you would um, agree with something. Um, because when I was in Brazil, I, I took a sentence that didn't make sense to me, um, but it was because I had a stronghold of shame. There was a shame about my previous divorce, and so, uh, or I don't know, lots of stuff. So I was, I took a shameful sentence, um, and so when she said that, I just, it just hit me like an arrow, and I knew that there was something there. And then the next night, uh, it was a Saturday, I stayed home from the worship because I was exhausted, and the Lord spoke to me again. You know, it's shame. And so the next morning, I woke up and I told Jesse, I was like, Jesse, it's shame. I know it's shame. And she gets her arm hair stand up and she was like, yeah, yeah, I think so, <laughs> you know. And um, I was like, well, cool, okay, she's getting confirmation. And so I was running crazy late. Um, you know, it was like 10 a.m. and I'm still getting the baby dress. And I'm like, you know, feeling shame. Like, geez, I can't even get to church seven years later, you know. And um, my friend texts me, Christina, and she's like, are you coming? And I'm like, okay, I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm really going to come. And I'm just driving. I'm thinking, wow, God's so good. You know, he, he gave me this dream to tell me there's shame. And now he's confirming that it's shame. And he's, wow, he's good. I walk in the doors, set down the baby, hand off the baby. And like, today the Lord wants to deliver people from shame. And I see Jesse like, whoa, you know. And I'm like, I can't even get up there fast enough. And um, he just blew my mind that it was that quick. You know what I mean? I've been waiting months to find out what the issue was. And then immediately, as soon as he tells me, he does a whole service on it. So I come up, and I'm like, I'm waiting in Shelly's line because I know what she said the other day. So I stood, and I waited. And when we started to pray, it came from my very innermost being. Like, it wasn't something it was in my head. And I'd always thought before, like, oh, I'm ashamed because I was rebellious. I'm ashamed because of the thing I did. I'm ashamed. No, it was shame because I did not have a blessing at my conception and at my birth. My dad loves me a lot. But he was just scared to have kids. And so I didn't have that. And so I was born ashamed, born without that blessing. So that shame led me to rebellion. Yeah. So it was deeper. It was nothing I'd ever done. So that's why it was so deep within my house. But, I mean, I, I never have cried that deep. And I have never experienced deliverance that deep until that day. And I've been delivered of a lot you know, but that was something, and I just wailed and wailed and wailed, and I looked like a wreck, but I knew it was gone. It was gone. It was completely gone, so praise the Lord. Amen. Come on. Cool, cool. Then we got Corey and Sarah. Oh, they're even holding hands. Who's going first? Well, it's been a year this week since we uh, started going to New Covenant, and a year ago, 
was a year ago. Um, I was done with her. I was done with God. I was ready to kill myself. Um, I took a week off and um, from work, and I just sought God. I was like, I, don't, I can't do this anymore. I've done everything everyone's ever told me. I went to school. I did all this ministry stuff. I did this, this, and this, and nothing is going right. So I met a guy named Todd White in Goshen, Indiana. And um, I never believed in prophetic. I never believed in anything. I grew up in a Pentecostal church for the past 10 years. I didn't, but I didn't believe in it. I never, I, never, I never saw it happen. It never took place. So I go there, and um, I see this guy. He's, like, giving words. I'm like, I want that. I want him to give me a word. And I'm kind of annoyed because there's a guy behind me, and he's wearing short shorts, cowboy boots, and a cowboy hat. And he's, this guy starts singing. I'm like, this must be. It was. <laughs> it was close. So I was getting annoyed. I was like, holy ghost, love punch him. Love punch him right now. Get him. And as this guy starts singing, I was like, this guy's awesome. It was that guy. I was like, are you really, guy, this guy? He's that good? So at the very end, Tom, I'm like, this guy, Todd White's nuts. What is this? This is real. And at the end, he's like, everyone pray for each other. I was like, okay, cool, let's do this. And no one's around. I'm like, all right. This guy comes to me, he's like, brother, I got something for you. I was like, no. <laughs> no. He, and um, he's like, I see you guys, this and this, and spit, spoke words. And I was like, no. How do you know this? This is nonsense. But anyhow, so he looked at me, he's like, um, before I mention this, we never wanted kids ever. Ever, 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 ever. Uh, I didn't want to go with the things I went through growing up. Never wanted them. And he said, you know, when the kids will come in time, and something happened to her, and she was anti-kids ever. And she's like, I'll never have kids. And it was uh, Wednesday, on my 27th birthday, um, she told me she was pregnant. <laughs> and uh, God gave me a proverb five years ago. It's uh, 24, 27, which is 27 is my birthday. It's my favorite number for some reason. And um, it was prepare your fields and build your house. And on my birthday, I was 27 years old, on the 27th, um, I got that news. So. All right. Can you hear me? This is weird. Okay. Um, so I just want to give some background. Like when we first got married, a lot of it was built on so much hurt and so much pain. And God just kept telling us through so many people, try out New Cove, try out New Cove. And I'm like, nope, not ready. <laughs> But we finally did, and as soon as we came in, it was just freedom from that first day. And uh, But we went to marriage class with Jeff and Susan, and there was a lot of freedom from there. Our, our marriage has flourished so much. Our com communication is important. <laughs> um, but before all that, man, just so much hurt, so it's unworthy and... It's, this is a testimony, me standing here right now talking in front of you guys. <laughs> you know that. Um, but just God is so faithful, and he loves you, and he wants to capture you in your heart and touch you and heal you and just, yeah. All right. Thank you. Awesome. <laughs> Got a brotherly kiss from my brother. Coy and Sarah, doesn't that bring hope? That is how every one of them, your kids, your marriage, finances, everything, is hope. Love punch. Love punch him. All right, so uh, 
probably gonna get a little emotional. I do mind. Um, I'm gonna go back to a time, just early November, late November, early December, when Mike was talking about just speaking on being unselfish and giving and loving. Something really spoke to me about that message because I've always been really a loving person, but I've never truly loved, never loved like God. Sorry. Um, yeah. <laughs> so just before Christmas, I had been taking it into my heart to really start giving to someone. And uh, I went to Walmart late at night, 2 o'clock in the morning. Just kind of picking up some stuff from getting off work. Someone behind me had noticed they had a bunch of fruits, vegetables, things like that. They were trying to make a healthy choice. So I was like, you know what? I feel something. I'm going to go ahead and just pay for their food. And then paid for their food, turned around and said, God bless, and walked out. They had no clue what was going on. They had a strange look on their face. They were completely confused. Um, directly after that, the next day, which was uh, Monday, I came in and uh, I came into work. And the vice president spoke to me and said, hey, you're going to work with this guy. I need you to start working with this guy this week. And uh, this is a guy I didn't really care for. I had met before. He was angry. I didn't like dealing with him. I didn't want to mess with him that week. So I was like, okay, you know, whatever. I'll take it. I'll go. And uh, his name was Chase. And uh, turns out the next day I started working with him, and I couldn't help but just want to be around him. I wanted to talk to him. I wanted to be around him. We started talking about TV shows. We started talking about movies, things like that. And eventually he felt the need to tell me about his testimony and how he came to God and what happened with him. And it started driving me. I was like, man. I need something. I need that. And he starts going, well, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop talking now. I'm not going to push into you. I don't want to force this upon you. I'm like, dude, I want it. I need this. Keep talking to me. And uh, this, is, this is strange for me because I'm usually not a nervous person, but I'm actually terribly nervous right now. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. And so that week, he, uh, I'd noticed he'd been upset the next week and was just real kind of distraught, trying to get some money from a guy that he'd known. Couldn't get a hold of him. Called, called, called. And I was like, hey, tell you what, I'll get you your 20 bucks tomorrow. Don't worry about it. He's like, are you sure, man? Yeah. I was like, I got it. I got your 20 bucks. So the next day I came in, and uh, he was sitting there, and I handed him a $50 bill. I said, take it. I don't need this. This is for you. I felt driven to give you more than the 20. You needed this. And he came to me and goes, man. Last week, I just turned my finances over to God. I've been really needing this money. I didn't have any or I didn't have any money to get to work anymore. I was out of gas. My daughter needed diapers. I needed juice for my daughter. Thank you for everything. He's like, this pushes my faith any farther. So, after that, it turns out that was just three days before the RTF, the first RTF that we had that we ended up coming to. And uh, then the very next day, Sarah takes both sets of our keys to work. So I'm sitting at the house with Creed, no way to take him to school, no way to get to work, nothing like that. So I'm upset, I'm mad, stomp around the house, trying to feed him, trying to get him dressed, calling four or five different people. No one answers the phone. Well, finally my dad calls me back and uh, says, hey, I'll, I'll come get you, take him to school, and then let's go to Indy. Let's go pick up your keys. Like, All right, that's fine. So on the way there, I decided, like, well, I'm not going to be upset about this. I'm just going to let this journey happen. It's going to be good. Gonna get, there's a reason for it. I've got to turn it over to God and let him have it. So we stop at Qdoba to eat, and he has me pray over the food, which I haven't prayed in five, six years at that time, if not longer. It's been a really long time before I'd even thought about it. And uh, prayed over the day, just, you know, give us what we need out of this day. There's a journey that you're putting us on this path for a reason. Please give me what you got. And so throughout that day, 
I go back, or we go pick up the keys, I come back. Then about an hour of getting back, I go to work. Within five minutes, or I missed a whole part, sorry. And on the way back from uh, Indy, my dad speaks to me, because we're talking about money and things like that, because I had just taken a recent pay cut and coming back from a different place. We'd been struggling financially, and I, he just spoke uh, at Mark 10, 25. It's easier for a camel to fit through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. For some reason, that quote that spoke to me. I couldn't, I couldn't get it out of my head. I was sitting there thinking about it. And uh, then about an hour of coming home and going to work, I was sitting at work, just got met up with Chase. We started talking. Within five minutes, he sat there and quoted. You know, I don't know why I, gotta say, I have to say this to you, but it's easier for a camel to fit through the eye of a needle <laughs> than it is a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And I broke down, and I wept. I wept in the middle of work, and where I work, you know, I've been a plant manager, I've done things, so everyone's looking at me real strange, like, what's, what's going on with this guy, and everyone was so confused, and he was lost, he's like, man, what, what happened to you, are you all right, I was like, man, I, I can't make this up, my dad told me this less than an hour ago, and he started weeping, ever since then, we've, we actually went through work, and we've started slowly saving people through work with that, so testimonies have grown from there and things just keep getting better so all righty I'm I'm last and I timed this out so it should only be like five minutes and 20 seconds and then you guys will get to go eat <laughs> so <laughs> bear with me um, my name is Sarah for those of you who don't know me um, I just want to tell you guys how thankful I am I, I didn't plan on saying this but I look out and I see family um, you guys are a really special church, and this place is really, really, really special. Um, and I just, I thank you all for that, and I thank God for that, and his, the way his spirit comes into this place. It's, it's really awesome. Um, we really feel at home here. Uh, I've been saved for a little over a decade, um, but I've only been in a relationship and walking out my salvation probably for the past six months or so. Um, and things have, things have changed beautifully. Um, just to give you guys a little bit of backstory, uh, this is the, the test part of my testimony. Uh, it's a little hard to get through, so just bear with me. Um, I really struggled growing up. I lost, uh, I lost my mom the day I turned 11, uh, after she had a, a short battle with cancer and, uh, my dad was in a really bad place. He lost his soulmate. He had these two little girls to take care of. He had never even done laundry a day in his life. I mean... He was really struggling, um, and he fell into a really bad addiction. Um, I think originally he was trying to self-medicate, and it just kind of spiraled out of control from there um, as he turned to some of the heavier stuff and, you know, became really abusive and just really struggling in life. Um, as I became a teenager, I really spent my life elsewhere. Uh, I was always running around with friends, um, doing things I probably shouldn't have been doing. Um, I went to a Nazarene church here in town for a while, um, and they, they taught me so much about the law, but I didn't know that love was a thing. Um, I, didn't, I didn't know that, that, that Jesus loved me. Um, and the more poor decisions I made, the more shame I felt, and the farther uh, I got away from God, and I really just stopped going altogether. Um, my dad got really worse. Uh, by the time I was 14, I was drinking, um, hanging around some really broken people. I dropped out of all the sports at school, um, stopped hanging around anybody good in my life, um, and I forgot all about my promises to Jesus. 
uh, I totally, uh, you know, just abandoned him and ran as far as I could. Um, I thought that maybe if I tried hard enough, I could hide, uh, but we can't. <laughs> I thought my life was, was more fun than Jesus, and it wasn't. Uh, my father continued to struggle um, in watching somebody that you're born to love unconditionally turn their lives into such a mess uh, just really, really was hard. Um, Ten days after my 16th birthday, they found him dead in our house because he overdosed. Um, the darkness swallowed me alive. I was orphaned. I was alone. Um, the physical pain was so intense that I couldn't handle being awake. Um, this gets better, spoiler alert. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I would, I would close my eyes, and I would wake up, and the pain was so bad that I couldn't physically bear it. Um, so every time I would open my eyes, I would, I would take more pills to go right back to sleep because I couldn't handle being awake. Um, Koi was there, said I was barely breathing. Um, medically speaking, I shouldn't have made it, um, and it was one of my rock bottoms, and eventually I was able to tolerate life, but I was still, I was still living in disorder. Um, then we found out I was pregnant with Cree. And because of the awareness of having life inside of me and knowing that I was responsible for somebody else, I couldn't self-destruct anymore. Um, he, he was, you know, God knew how much I needed him. Um, when he was born, my life completely changed. He was everything good to me. I felt hope and I felt love and all of the tears associated with, uh, you know, having a, a tiny little alien baby. Um, <laughs> as time went on, we graduated uh, and... We, we started adulting um, and choosing <laughs> happiness and, you know, buying a house and doing all of these lovely things, paying bills. Um, <laughs> but I still knew, I knew something was missing. Um, I was still holding on to a lot of chaos, and it, it ruled a lot of my life. I think that I spent a lot of time trying to be happy on the outside, um, and really inside I was still, you know, still a mess. Um, guys, the devil can be really patient, but we have a father who who is more so. Um, he was delighting, the, the devil was delighting in the notion that my heart might be ruined and he was thrilled that I might dwell in this darkness instead of knowing God's light. Um, he didn't want me to know that I had an almighty father who chose me before I was even born. Um, but there's no, there's no power, you know, from anybody else that, that God can't save us from. Um, six months ago, I started coming here because Cree wanted us to. <laughs> he came with Chris and Shelley, and he wanted us to, and I was like, okay. He's really convincing for a five-year-old. Any of you who <laughs> have ever met him probably know this. Um, so to church we went. I drug him along with me. Um, I thought that I already knew Jesus. Um, but six months ago, I met my shepherd, and I met my provider, and I met my lover. I met his mercy, and I met his grace. And six months ago, I was reintroduced to my father and realized that he had never left. My father was not dead. I was not an orphan. And I worshipped him and let his love consume me for the first time in my life. I went to RTF for some healing. Um, and although I, I struggled with it a little, God had told me that he was going to give me the treasures of the darkness and that I would receive an important prophetic word. Uh, and that Saturday night, I met Bill Dickerson <laughs> over at Chris and Shelley's. Surprise. Um, <laughs> he snatched me up and started dancing with me, and I was just drowning in God's love. Um, he said, dance with me, my daughter, my little girl. 
you are royalty. All you ever wanted to do was dance with your daddy, and all you ever wanted was to be loved, and I'm here now, and we're dancing, and, and he's rocking me, and I'm bawling. <laughs> he says, you were rejected, and you felt alone. You, you need to get out of the corner. You fit in because this is how I made you. I made you unique and to do great things, and you're part of the body of Christ now. You've been dealing with shame. It's over now. This season of chaos is over now. This is a year of new things for you. I'm going to bless you this year. When you look in the mirror, I want you to see me. You're a good enough bride, a good enough mother, a good enough wife. Things are spoken that no one knew but me and God. He takes koi and called me his bride. He breaks curses off of Korea and he tells me he loves me. And my father supernaturally sweeps me off my feet. I couldn't speak. I just cried. Uh, there had been 22 years of pain supernaturally lifted off of me. It was the most, it's the craziest thing. It's the scariest thing I've ever been through because I was born a new person. Um, I, I felt such a weight that was just gone. The baggage was gone. Um, he called me Koi's bride so many times that I started planning our wedding that week <laughs> after seven years of being together. Um, <laughs> uh, we get married in July. <laughs> We're starting to, you know, we're able to come here as a family now and worship together and be in relationship with the Father together, and I've, I've never been happier. Um, I've gone from being kind of a fearful introvert and not really wanting to be around people to not being able to get enough of you guys. I mean, Mike and Ashley know, <laughs> Chris and Shelly know I never leave their house. <laughs> I mean, we've, we've been able to join a connect group, uh, Jeff and Susan's connect group, and be in a relationship there. Uh, the shame's gone. My night terrors are gone. Uh, Christ is our foundation. We're finding our callings. We're in love again because I got to the point that I wasn't for sure if I wanted to marry him, and now I can't wait. Uh, and, and we have a father who breathes life into us, and he is love. Um, he's taken us and, and changed our lives forever and given us you know, these treasures from, from these tragedies, really. And I'm so thankful to serve a God like him. He's so good. He's so good. Go ahead and sit down. Yeah, stand up. Give her a hand. Yes. Joyce Meyer who? Sarah Hansen. Book to be released in three years. Come here, Chuck. We'll make this quick, and then we'll get out of here. I love this. This is so good. I mean, even I, I, mean, I had hope when I came in, and now, like, I've got more hope. You know, like I got a whole, instead of one balloon, I got a whole little, you know, bunch of them to go hand out to people. I didn't know I did that to Mike. Thanks, brother. Hey, guys, um, I, I will make this really fast. It's pretty late, but I want to read one scripture because this is my favorite scripture, always has been. Now unto him, this is Ephesians 3.20. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask, think, dare to imagine according to the power that works in us. That scripture has come to life in my life. Does anybody out there have uh, their dream job? Okay, we have one person. Are you, are you working where you want to work, though, in your dream job? Praise God, we got one person. Well, now there's two. I got my dream job. The, um, I've been a personal trainer at the, at the YMCA now for a little over two years. And I, my heart, you know, has always been towards helping people physically, you know, to get physically fit in, in the right ways. And um, so... I, you know, got into the personal training, and I loved it, and it became my dream job, okay? But I wasn't working where I wanted to work, and I was kind of praying one day that I would have my own gym and so on and so forth. 
so you know I got all these different connections God's doing stuff behind the scenes all the time you know but you don't really realize that he's doing something completely different than what you're asking him to do so I woke just going through my daily routine go to bed wake up Friday morning to a message the a voicemail that says uh, it's a guy I train and he's you know he's a local business owner and he said Chuck I want you to give me a call I have some important news for you that's how his voice is way deeper than that I did my best but um, he, uh, I call him back, like, you know, within an hour or whatever, and he says, there's an opportunity for you at Vero Beach, Florida, to run the gym. Um, he's going to help finance my, um, my deposit for my apartment when I get there, um, and I leave Saturday. So, real quick, I just wanted to, it's called the Jungle Club, if you guys want to look it up, but I'll just tell you um, real quick here, because this was really cool, I didn't know this. Vero Beach, if you guys don't know where Vero Beach is, it's in between Daytona, and uh, it's like right in between West Palm Beach and Daytona on the East Coast. It's a four-minute walk to the ocean from the gym, and they even said I could detail cars there in the back, so, Yeah. It just keeps getting better and better. Uh, I wanted to just, well, I don't need to prove it. It's, it's, this is just a picture I was going to, you know, I feel like you can all see it anyway. But at the gym, the, it's rated by the um, some choice awards group. I can't remember. Treasure Choice Awards, the number one gym in Indian County, Florida. So God, God just, it just keeps getting better and better the more I think about it. So um, my my encouragement to you is if you don't have your dream job it's on the way um, and if you don't have a job that's on the way but if you want your dream job it's on the way okay because it, it even when you're not thinking about it the least I was not even, there's I wasn't even thinking about it and I woke up to that message and, and here I am getting ready to move to Florida on the beach so praise God thank you praise God Chuck we love you and we bless you. Go change lives. I love you. All right, stand up. I'm going to have my wife stand up here with me as we pray for you guys and we get out of here. Chuck did a good job, I think, of segueing into where God wants to take us with hope, and that's dream. We need to dream again. And without hope, you won't dream because you think they won't even come true. All right? Tell them real quick and let's pray. So since I've had McKinley 10 years ago, I had um, high blood pressure. And when I say high, like I've been hospitalized after pregnancies like for a while, um, like 210 over 120 kind of blood pressures. And um, after the last, after Addie, four years ago, almost five, um, they said that I would probably never, ever, ever, ever be off blood pressure medicine. And their reason was because it was hereditary. So I kind of used to joke and say, um, I got nothing from my birth father, but it's crap. <laughs> and I put up with it. And so finally I just started praying, God, I don't I have to have this. This is, this is generational, yes, hereditary. That My DNA is my father, my father, my heavenly father. So I began to pray that. And I um, actually went into the ER probably three weeks ago with um, chest pains. 
and my first thought was, oh, gosh, I got high blood pressure, and it's probably that. And I get there, and I'm still on one blood pressure pill, and um, my blood pressure was 95 over 64. And they were like, hmm, maybe you need to get off of this. So I went to the um, the doctor. Um, I guess it was, it was like two weeks ago, right? It was the next week after the ER. And she actually removed me from all my blood pressure medicine. And so I'm off, and that generational tie is broken, and... I am 30, and I'm not on high blood pressure medicine. <laughs> you look all right, too, for a 30-year-old. <laughs> we'll get a zip line later. <laughs> anyway, let's pray. You can have a happy marriage. Take this hope. Get your marriage where it needs to be. Get your life where it needs to be. Your finances. God can bless them, and he will. Go home and journal. Write down. God, we thank you for a book of remembrance, Lord, that even as we have spoken, you've written things down, written things down. You love hillbillies. Thank you. You've just wrote things down, and we thank you that you are a king that remembers and that you do great things. And we remember you, King. We remember you, Jesus. Thank you for showing us where we were. Thank you for showing us what you did do, what you are doing, and for hope to go in the future to do what you want us to do, and that this church is growing, that this city is changing, and that families are coming together. You're bringing mates to those who want them and healing to children and adults as well. We bless you and we thank you. Amen. Thank the children's church workers when you go get your kids.